Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com. It's that time of the year. Wrestle Kingdom 14. This show, a little bit different than the norm. They went two nights. They had the weekend shows. New Year dashes tonight, and myself and Jeremy Lambert are here to give you a, an all-encompassing wrap-up of night one and night two. You can follow him at JeremyLambert88, but he is our lead wrestling writer over at Fightful.com. Jeremy, you're up for both nights, as our whole team was. It was a party. Uh, yeah, we don't sleep feel? at Fightful. No. I, I feel good. I had my coffee this morning. As I said, we don't sleep over at Fightful. We're covering both nights. We're covering Dash. That's what we do. It was, dude, it was, it's weird. Because I remember, I think it was the first year that it, that we did this. It was me and whoever covered the actual live coverage. So to have multiple people... Up is wild, and I remember the first year that I really covered New Japan was the year that Jeff Jarrett partnered up with <laughs> Global Force and got it on pay-per-view uh, over here. So, I mean, to see the leaps that have been made since then, they drew 70,000 over two nights. Uh, that's impressive. Did you expect that number to be bigger or smaller, all things considered? I expected it to be a little bit bigger, honestly, because it was like 40,000 night one and 30,000 night two and i thought night two would do just as well as as night one especially you know they had okada and naito in the main event of night two i thought the walk-up would be just a lot better um like not that seventy thousand is anything to sneeze at that's still a great number but i did i did think night two would be similar to night one not ten thousand less which is a pretty significant number we have people in the live chat over at youtube.com slash srs wrestling saying Will we be doing Super Chats today? No, unfortunately, this will be uh, – we're trying to get this show one done first off, but uh, <laughs> we don't have Super Chats on this channel. YouTube is still messing with us on monetization. But if you subscribe to our premium service over at FightfulSelect.com, I do Q&As every other week. You can ask as many questions as you want. Uh, if the demand is there, I'll do an additional one this week. But we've got retro reviews, dozens of them. We've got uh, the Backstage Report podcast. We've got Q&A shows, Alex's Sour Graps reviews of Raw and SmackDown, and The Weekender. It's a good time over there. Plus, 
Jeremy over at Tier 2, all these exclusives that we're getting, people get them early. These these interviews. Exclusive? The AEW power rankings? Real hey. sports power rankings? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I found the, the Virgil video, too. The Soul Train Jones video. So maybe <laughs> it I was... It was that. not lost, yes. yes. So let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to hop back and forth uh, between the two nights as I lost Jeremy's feed there for a brief second. Uh, uh, my own doing, apologies. But um, we're going to go back and forth between these two shows, uh, night one, night two, and uh, just kind of give you some back and forth in that regard. Uh, we had these pointless six and eight man tags. I don't want to say pointless. Some of them set up for for the following matches. Considering that it was two nights, you knew there were going to be a little bit a little bit of filler. But you and I were talking off the air. They could have done a New Japan Rumble here. I was very disappointed when the cards came out and there was no Rambo for for night one because you had these. Like, no offense to the the young lions and the dads and stuff. They could have been in the Rambo instead of a six man tag and then a tag team match. Like. Why not just do a Rambo? Get some other guys who weren't on uh, night one as well. Bring in some, yeah, you know, maybe some ROH guys. They could use them. Use some uh, guys from Rev Pro. Like, th- there's plenty of talent available who would want to work this show. So that would have been a better call to me than these six man and, and uh, tag team match with the dads on the pre-show of night one. Dare I say it would have been kind of cool to see Jushin Liger win a New Japan Rumble night one. But Jushin Liger doesn't want to win. That's the issue. I know. Uh, but, uh, night one we saw, uh, Yamura, Suji, Hanma, and Makabe defeating Alex Coughlin, Clark Connors, Carl Fer- Fredericks, and Toa Hanare. I think Carl Fredericks could be really good in a few years. Like, I mean, like, a big guy for them, especially in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but this was unremarkable. It, it, it was, it wasn't anything. Yeah, Fredericks is good, and I think they see a lot in Hanare, and that's why they gave him the victory here. So it was what you would expect it to be in a a dads and young lions match. I think Suji was the 600th person to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom, which is a a little bit – I think that uh, Chris Charlton had had mentioned that. But, I mean, that is a little bit misleading. It's not like they've only done 14 shows on January 4th at Tokyo Dome. So, Uh, But, yeah, over the last 14 years or so. Uh, you got that. Night one also saw Ten Cozy defeat Manabu Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata. The the wily WCW veterans Nakanishi and Nagata. I, I had tweeted. I remember when like ten or eleven year old me thought that Nakanishi as Kurosawa was going to get like a title run in WCW. <laughs> uh, that didn't happen. But Kojima and Tenzan win. This is fine. Sure, whatever. It wasn't a great match, but Ten Cozy are over, so why not? I love Kojima. They should put all the titles on Man, him. Man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? <laughs> you don't like Kojima? You're hitting the point now uh, of wrestling news coverage that that I once hit where you you just want to watch the world burn so you can see what kind of headline <laughs> you can drag out of it. That that's where we are now. That's- Kojima is awesome. Very awesome. And he's over. Those those qual chops, those are the, the most devastating maneuver in the hate business. Hate him, man. Hate him so much. Uh we're, we're kind of powering through night 1 here. Because there's not really a lot to talk about in those particular matches. But we saw Suzuki Gun, which is Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, and Desperado defeating LIJ's combo of Sonata, Bushi, and Shingo. I liked this a whole lot more than a lot of other pointless tags. Because, I mean, the level of worker, I'm not saying that the, the people in the other matches were, were not good workers. But 
it's good, it's exciting, as inconsequential as it may be. They, they didn't just keep the crowd. They built on it from a match that preceded it, which wasn't easy. Not the one we talked about, but uh, the Liger match that, that they had to follow was not yeah. easy to do. Sabre ended up tapping out Bushi. Like, the thing is, it's a conundrum, because if you're in a time crunch and you want to watch the important stuff, this ain't ranking high up there. But it was a good match. Uh, what do you think of this? Yeah, it was the setup, Zack Sabre and Sonata for night two. And the, these multi-man tag matches are typically good, especially when you have the LIJ, Suzuki Gun, Chaos, Bullet Club guys, Fale excluded, uh, in these multi-man tag matches. So it was a good match. It was the setup, Sabre and Sonata night two. I think people were disappointed that Suzuki didn't do anything after this match because people really thought they were going to do something with uh, Suzuki and Shingo. And it never happened here. And, you know, the the speculation was that Suzuki was on his way out. And as we saw in night two, that doesn't appear to be true. Sorry, I had myself muted there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sabre wouldn't let go of the hold. Sonata went after him. And, and, you know, that was the setup, the night two match. So uh, you follow that up. You got Chaos. Well, we follow it up by talking about Chaos's Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto and Toru Yano defeating Bullet Club's combo of Kenta, Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Now, Kenta lost two matches this weekend, which we'll get to. We'll, we'll talk about that eventually at the end of the show. But um, I love how you pointed out Fale takes way too goddamn long <laughs> to get to the ring. I, I legitimately, Jeremy, went downstairs and made myself a little snack while he was walking out to the ring. And I came back upstairs and I thought my feed had messed up. I had to put on a pot of coffee and get myself some coffee during his walk to the ring because I don't know how I was going to survive otherwise. He, like, he's always been a big guy. He looks like he ate everyone who has left Bullet Club in the past few <laughs> years. Just... I, and, like, I know Gato really likes him, and I was joking in the chat on night two. I was like, no, they're going to win the Never titles because Gato just, for some reason, loves Fale. And then they put him as the first person, and I was like, yeah. never mind. He's not wrestling four matches. No kidding. I I don't know. The, I get his purpose, but, man, just not good. And the, this match was nothing. Like, it was maybe even on a lesser level than the, the Young Lions stuff because just it was to use Kenta and – uh goto for night two i feel bad for ishii like that guy's so good and he got stuck yeah. in this nonsense so he's like the biggest little man ever and folly just abused him until yeah. the the brain buster i love gino's call gino has grown on me he just screamed ah holy shit <laughs> i loved it i loved it um but this match really was just move take the center move take the center move take the center over and over and over again at least the moves were good yeah, I mean they they worked hard, but it was an inconsequential match. Yeah, that that it was. So eventually, chaos gets the win there. Goto beat Takahashi with the GTR. Uh, I missed the Shouten Kai. I love that move. It's my favorite move in wrestling. But yeah, to each their own. <laughs> then we're finally getting some night two action. You and I covering this. The never open weight six man tag team championships. Now I loved how much Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were busting balls about how these titles are never defended. I think four times all year, Jeremy. 
it's they're they're meaningless titles. They're they're extremely meaningless. I said that they should combine them with the ROH six man tag team titles because those are pretty meaningless as well, and it won't happen. But yeah, no one cares about these titles. This was another match where they just put a bunch of guys, and at least this one had a purpose, unlike the the pre show matches on night one. But they just put a bunch of guys together, let them wrestle, and they had a big screw up. New Japan could do with about. Four less title belts. I, I would keep yeah. these around just because they do so many six and eight man tags that it's kind of pointless. But I would almost have it faction based where a faction holds the titles as opposed to three certain dudes. Uh, but they don't need junior heavyweight tag titles. They don't need the Rev Pro title on their show. And if they consolidated the Never and US title, I wouldn't be mad about that. Like there, there's so many titles on the show that everything it starts to feel like a participation trophy. They definitely need to consolidate the tag team titles. There's not enough, especially with the, the heavyweight teams. It, it feels like it's evil and Sonata against God every single year. And at least, you know, Finn juice is there now, but you can put the, the junior guys in there. Rapongi against God Rapongi against Finn juice. Like all these are, are great matchups that I would love to see. So I definitely think they need to combine at least the tag team titles. the, the U.S. title, I get its purpose now with the yeah. New Japan USA coming up. Like you kind of want to have a, a title there, and who knows what they're going to do with that. Um, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I they need to do something with the tag titles. I'm fine with the never titles, the the six man titles. Just utilize them. Like if you have them, utilize them. Yeah, there's a lot of Road Two shows that could use something like that. But if they made it the never U.S. Open Weight Championship, I would be stoked about that. I'd be like. All right, cool. There, there we go. Uh, at least you got a little bit of history behind that, whatever. It's just, man, they got the world title, the intercontinental title, the never, the U.S. They got the Rev Pro title in there, the junior heavyweight. Two sets of tag titles. I've ran out of fingers at this point. <laughs> Damn it. They're going to have to start a New Japan Women's Dark Match Championship soon. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Well, uh, LIJ win the titles. This one starts off fast. Uh, Bullet Club are eliminated by an Ishii vertical drop brain buster. Taichi couldn't win with an axe bomber, so he takes his pants off as a result, uh, which is exactly what I do when my clotheslines don't lay people out. Robbie Eagle, Robbie, Robbie Eagles, sorry, uh, I was short of breath there, uh, picked up the win. That's two wins in a row for Chaos. Then we actually get some action. We get LIJ and Chaos battling a little bit. The Darkness Falls <laughs> pins Ishii kind of. Yeah. What what do you think happened here? Uh, this was so bad, especially coming off of night one where the referee count was just all over the place and the delay on the three count. It, and then Ugh. you come into night two and the first match you have this screw up. I, I don't know what happened. It doesn't seem like that should have been the pinfall. If it was, no one was, was privy to it. I, I feel like if on Dash, uh, Team Ishii gets um, a, a, a six-man title shot, we would know something might have gotten screwed up there. But it, it was not a good look in this match with this pinfall playing out that way. Like, Evil looked confused, Ishii looked confused, and the referee just kind of had to go with it. So we've joked in the group chat before, like whenever you write an article and I tweet it out, I'll, I'll tag your name in it. And sometimes <laughs> you get the shrapnel that is associated with whatever oh wrestler God. you're writing about. Like now, cause people are, 
there are some people that think I'm cynical. They haven't seen my mentions yet. <laughs> haven't seen my mentions. No. It gets, it gets real bad. And you can't tweet criticism about anything without having a well actually person, but New Japan especially. Like if it's about finishers or about refs. Well, actually they do that everywhere. That doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. Just because wrestlers or referees in Japan go one, two, and three, no. That does not mean that it's good. It's bad. It's stupid. Easy trick that I learned early on. If you want to keep your cadence, do the, do the whole swing your arm around thing. Cause it almost goes at the same rate every single time. This was bad and evil and Ishii didn't look happy. They started to brawl no. after that. You, now, this is just speculation because I, I don't speak Japanese and wasn't able to speak to anybody in this match. I don't know if this was planned or not, but it didn't seem so. As I said, if uh, Ishii team gets the, the title shot at Dash, then I think that's a pretty almost obvious sign. Like, yeah, we might have screwed that up, and now we're trying to make good and, and do this title match. Like, they don't have anything for Dash announced anyway, so you can do it and people might not know. It wasn't good, though. It was... It... It was rough. It was really rough. Yes. Um, the champs are out now. I, I just love Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton trolling them. <laughs> at, at this point, it wasn't a four-man booth because Rocky Romero was waiting to come out. But... Like, we complain a lot of times, or I do at least, about the three-man booth in WWE being a struggle to get through. Because quite frankly, like, everybody criticized Renee Young. She couldn't get a word in edgewise. So when she could get in a wow or that's cool, then that was a benefit. It didn't feel like that with a four-man booth in New Japan. It ruled. I thought all four of them had really good chemistry. And yeah, you mentioned Gino Gambino earlier. He was cracking me up with some of those one-liners throughout both nights. The the cup stuff and Rocky was giving it right back to him a lot of times as well. Like they like they played off of each other well. Kevin Kelly is like the definition of He's a amazing. professional. He's really really good. And Charlton adds like a lot of the history stuff. So they have really good chemistry together, and that's tough with a four-man booth because, like you said, the three-man booth in WWE, it, it oftentimes feels like a two-man booth because the the third person is just kind of waiting to say one little line, and then they're getting stepped over the rest of the time. But they did four and pulled it off flawlessly. And the thing is, you're getting micromanaged. All three people are getting micromanaged in yeah. WWE. You have four unique aspects. You have Kevin Kelly, the play-by-play guy. You have Rocky Romero who is still a somewhat active guy. Uh, you've got Gino Gambino also, but then you got Chris Charlton, who has improved immensely. When he started on commentary, I couldn't stand the dude's voice, his, his cadence, anything like that. He's really found his spot in that Mike Tanay role in like WCW mid-90s or, the, or stuff like that. Like he, he comes in and he adds something and then he gets out or he contributes to the conversation. He's very, very good. I really, I really dig this. And uh, Dodon uh, couldn't beat Takagi. Takagi wins with his finisher, and we get new champs. Sure, I'm fine with this. Why not? It, I think it sets up more down the line because, you know, LIJ wins here. Um, we saw night one, Hiromu, night two, Naito. So they got a lot of gold right now, and there's one person who doesn't have the gold, and I think that's going to set up something down the line. I feel bad for Shingo. That guy's so talented, yeah. and he's just stuck in these 
six-man tag matches on both of these shows. I mean, now he's got these titles. Hopefully they do with something with him in 2020 because he's really good. And he's a guy like the, the never open weight title. It should be open weight. And uh, Osprey complained about this. It's like it's just heavyweights fighting for it yeah. for the most most time. Like do open weight. Like if Ishii has a title, let him face Osprey. Let him face Eagles. Let him face Shingo. Like those are great matches. So hopefully they can do something more with that. And Shingo's a great guy to bridge that gap along with Osprey. I had people asking me what who I thought could break through and become heavyweight stars in New Japan. I think that Takagi and Osprey are like there, like where they could probably contend there, but it might be a while. And Takagi isn't nearly as young as Osprey. Time isn't on his side quite as much. But I mean, what, what does that matter? You got four hundred year old dudes wrestling on this show and still having good matches. Speaking of good matches, what I thought was the match of both of the shows: the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hiromu Takahashi defeated Will Osprey on night one. This just started off at a ridiculous pace. Then Osprey slowed it down and worked Hiromu's neck. But one of the, one of the best spots I've ever seen in wrestling. There's a Sasuke special. Osprey starts in the ring, does the handspring flip out, uh, but Takahashi catches him in a German suplex. He is German suplexed onto the the aisle way, but he lands on his feet and runs right back at Takahashi. Who belly to belly suplexes him back into the ring. Osprey rolls through it, then hits the Sasuke. Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Like everyone I saw on the timeline was just going crazy over this. And I don't know how you couldn't go crazy over this because I haven't seen a spot like that in a just a long time. Just a sequence like that was just and everything was executed so well. Apparently Osprey may have hurt his foot on that. Like yeah. he posted a picture on Twitter where he had ice on his foot and people were saying it was this sequence here. Like the the fact that he was able to pull that off with his foot probably throbbing and then the rest of the match with the the foot hurting as well. That guy's incredible. And yeah, this spot, this Sasuke special sequence was I I mean there's no words to really describe it. Go find the GIF. Go watch this entire match. This isn't the whole match. I don't think people were worried about Hiromu because if you watch the the Road 2 shows, he he was Hiromu even in those multi-man tag matches. He's like, ah, screw it. Like I'm just going to be my normal self even if I could take it easy on these nights. So his first singles match since July 2018, there was no worry about him just being like, oh, I'll coast a little bit. No, like he's Hiromu. He's going to go out there and try to kill himself and, and Osprey. Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of the, the drops on, on these shows make me uncomfortable, to say the least. Yeah. But- the thing is about Osprey, he didn't have a night to match to worry about, so to speak. Right. And the more you watch Osprey work, you can just tell he's going to transition so well into heavyweight eventually. Uh, whenever he gets that push, if he ever, if he ever does that, he's going to do like, I just think he'll add such a contrast. I mean, maybe not too much of a contrast since Kota Ibushi is there now and he does a lot of that as well, but. You see him start to to make things uh, like this spot a few years ago would have been a lot different. I think it would have been a little more over the top, but less effective. If that makes any sense, this looked like they were trying to take each other out, and they just happened to know each other. It didn't look uh, rehearsed. I mean, there's a lot of people that feel a lot of ways about those rehearsed opening spots that, that you'll see so often with the drop downs and all that, where they look like they're working together instead of against each other. 
this looked like they were working against each other, and I loved it. And I loved the setup for this. It's like an avalanche body scissors bomb that they just teased and teased and teased. But it was like early to midway through the match. It wasn't like a big finish. They had teased this a bunch early because they had both been up on the top rope and the second rope and working into it. I love that. Osprey gets a shooting star press and an os cutter, but the, you get that terrible ref count. <laughs> the strike trade leads to a German suplex counter of the os cutter, and Hiromu's trying to do everything he can. Canadian destroyer, Death Valley driver. Osprey uses the, the back elbow and the Spanish fly. And then Osprey does the time bomb, and it doesn't pin, or uh, Takashi does the time bomb, and it doesn't pin Osprey. He does what's called the Time Bomb 2, which is going to get very confusing in the future. And he ends up winning. This match was just unbelievable. I, I think the the Time Bomb 2, I think Eric Stevens called it um, the inverted, a hooked leg inverted brain buster. Um, it looked awesome. And yeah, I a lot of people have said they've never seen it. I saw people mention that like Matt Seidel did it. A long time ago um but it's not something you see very often but yeah it looked awesome <clears throat> the whole story of this match was great with osprey working the aggressive style working on the neck of hiromu like that's what you would expect out of osprey here with hiromu coming off the neck thing and like that's the story you know like it can make people uncomfortable but if they're cool with it that's the story of the match like you should focus on this guy's neck that's his weak point he's coming yeah. off the broken neck and the you know it does make people uncomfortable especially with the, the stuff they do with the dives and whatnot but i thought they told a great story the pace it went like 25 minutes and it never lacked like the pace the entire time was kept up and yeah hiromu wins i, I didn't think that was a, a big surprise because it was his return and it seems like they always switch every single title on these wrestle kingdom shows just an outstanding match from start to finish though both of these guys are it's great to see Hiromu back because he's awesome and Osprey yeah it doesn't matter if he's wrestling junior or, or heavy like he's he's awesome at every single thing he does and he you're right he's improved so much over the years it used to be where it was like gif wrestling almost yes. and like it's still that but there's now a point to it it doesn't as you said it doesn't look so rehearsed anymore it looks like he's trying to just kill his opponent and he he's really good he he was my wrestler of the year for 2019 and he's starting off 2020 in an incredible way he uh has he there's a lot more urgency to his wrestling now uh, i've noticed and that that makes a lot of what he does more effective in, in my opinion i know a lot of people are like oh why are you covering this what you thought was one of the matches of the weekend so early well it's because takahashi had a, a piece of our next segment, so to speak, the Jushin Liger retirement. Uh, night one, we see Taguchi pin Liger. <laughs> Couldn't the believe this. fuck are we doing here? Could not Taguchi? believe Taguchi? Taguchi? Takeiwa, Otani, and Naoki Sano defeated... Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, The Great Sasuke, and Fujinami. Now, my own personal stroll down memory lane, uh, until like 1999, my exposure to Japanese wrestling was first Jushin Thunder Liger, second uh, Shinzaki, who was Hakushi back then, uh, and 
that was really it. Great Sasuke and Taka Michinoku, those guys. And then later, uh, I found a VHS of Hayabusa in FMW, which changed my life. But, like, you see a couple of these people. You got Fujinami, who has been wrestling for decades. You got Sasuke, who wrestlers and or, or fans of the Attitude Era who might be watching this for the first time uh, might remember him. You got Tiger Mask, a legendary name. You got Otani. And of all the people, it's Taguchi getting the pen <laughs> on Liger. That pissed me off so bad. Taguchi is the active competitor. Liger's not putting over Otani. Otani ain't it. coming back. He should have won. Liger he should have won. won. He should have. I, I think well, like Liger's lost a lot over this last year, and that's the way he wants to do yes. business. I was I was shocked he lost the Suzuki feud. I thought that would be a perfect time for him to just get a victory. Like Suzuki's not going to lose anything out of that. Good conquers evil. E- easy story to tell, and like he put over. He's putting over everybody. I thought he was going to win this match because he wasn't going to win night two. Uh, he wasn't pinning Lee or Hiromu, especially just the way Liger does business. So I figured, oh, he'll get a nice little victory here, his last win. And he's like, nope, I'm going to put over Taguchi. And it's like, dude, be selfish. I get I get it, but be selfish here. Like, people want to celebrate your victory. Like, no, Taguchi doesn't need to go over. Well, maybe he would have if Sasuke wasn't taking a nap outside the ring after he got kicked. <laughs> That was amazing. He got, he got his head kicked off. I, I don't think he was taking a nap. <laughs> he was dead. This guy has worked, like, he's worked all Japan, New Japan, Big Japan, uh, Michinoku Pro, and an Indian in Florida over the last month. He is a traveling <laughs> son of a bitch. I love great Sasuke. Um, just, just really, really good, man. Um, it's, it's, it was cool to see him, too. Uh, and, and the history with, with, uh, Liger's history with so many of these people, but Sano, uh, Sano hits the suicide dive and it looks yeah. like he killed himself. <laughs> doing it didn't it. look good, but you know, credit to the man, he went for it. Immediate reaction was, "Oh, guy's got a fucking concussion!" Immediately, because <laughs> he was looking around like, "What? What?" He was shocked that he was able to pull it off. I think. Well, Sasuke's back. He takes a good superplex. The work was stiff as hell here. The the work was old. <laughs> Popped for a Tiger Driver. Popped for it. But um, to me, uh, this this was a pretty good match, honestly. But yeah. the entrances were like 15, 20 minutes, and all of them were worth it. I, I'm glad everyone got an entrance because then they... And I think that was the, the right call because then everyone just got their own reaction. The fans were excited to see a lot of these guys and you it off with Liger's entrance. This is way better than it was going to be. I'd have we're, we're, we're losing you a little and bit. The guys came out there and they worked hard. And Yeah, we were losing you a little bit, a little bit oh. of connection issue oh, there. Um, well, we'll work on that. But night two, we had Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee defeating Jushin Thunder Liger and Naoki Sano. Do we have you? Yeah, uh, we're going to need you to reconnect, Jeremy. But um, I will – you can look at my beautiful, beautiful uh, background in, in the meantime as we, we try to reconnect Jeremy Ooh. in that regard. But uh, Lee opens the ropes for Tanahashi or Takahashi 
who a lot of people might not remember. Uh, well, they they probably will remember Ryu Lee, uh, the former Dragon Lee, was the one who injured Takahashi, and uh, you know obviously the the underlying situation there is is that they're probably gonna gonna lead to something pretty big down the line, uh, but. For for this, I thought it made a lot of sense to have them team up and beating Liger and Sano. That that was gonna happen, uh, but let me connect to Jeremy again. <laughs> but uh, the Romero spe- special hits for Liger early on in the match, and I got chills when I saw that. I was like, "Ooh, okay." I was like, Let, "Let's let's see some more of this. Let, let's see him play the hits, and that's what he does." As I believe we've got Jeremy back. Let's connect to him live. Jeremy Lambert is back. Hopefully it's working. Somebody the asked Carolina if you were streaming through New Japan World. <laughs> <laughs> I fumbled there. See, see, the thing is, a lot of people are like, oh, man, when Sean has tech issues now, it slows down. Well, yeah, it slows down. I don't have Google Hangouts where I can just – somebody has a link they can join. we got to set it up on Skype and all that, but – Man, I once interviewed Matt Hardy, a fellow North Carolina native, and he had the worst goddamn internet I've ever seen. But that's legitimately because his house is so big, his Wi-Fi doesn't extend to the other end of it. Uh, I'm blaming this junker computer that I have, which absolutely sucks. Man. But Takahashi and Ryu Lee defeat Liger and Sano. This was Liger playing the hits. and. Takahashi pinning him after uh, after a time bomb. It wasn't great, I didn't think. I thought the the match on night one was better, actually. Yeah, Takahashi, he looked like he was working kind of half speed, and I don't even blame him after the night one match against Osprey and Dragon Lee. I didn't think he stood out as much as maybe he could have. And I mean, Sano didn't really add anything. I don't recall him doing much in this match. Lee and Takahashi worked a little bit of heel to try to get some heat on this, and I, I thought that worked well. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was good as night one, mainly because night one was just a lot of legends, and they could just do one little spot, and people were going to pop for it. This one, I think people might have had higher expectations. Um, and it, it, it was just more somber. Like, it was Jushin Liger's last match. That sucks. Like, the guy is... He's retired now, and that feels weird to say. He's wrestled for the company every year since, I think, 84, which is an insane streak. And, I mean, that obviously continues through this year. But after that, I'm trying to think of who would be the top. Like, maybe maybe Tanahashi that hasn't taken a single year. Maybe I, ah, maybe somebody else. Uh, I, I would have to go back and look. But I know that Tanahashi's wrestled every year since 99 now as well. My God, man. This just wasn't what I, I hoped for. I, I just thought that night one was better, but Takahashi getting the win was good. He, he shows Liger respect after this match. Says that Liger made the division and he's going to carry it on. They got some heat a little bit early on. Takahashi and Ryu Lee both attacked uh, Liger and, and did that, but it was it was a little bit underwhelming i thought after the the pomp and circumstance that we saw from night one and then liger gave a brief speech but liger done jeremy done it's gonna be a weird world without jushin liger wrestling everywhere every year 
it's my my earliest memory of him is the WCW stuff with with Brian Pillman, which was you know the the Nitro match, the Super Brawl match, that that stuff. And like I can't say I was a a big follower of like his career throughout New Japan and everything, but I always made it a point to try to check out any type of uh, Liger match, especially when he came to the United States. And I mean. The guy's an absolute legend. The style that you see with the the junior heavyweights nowadays, like he popularized that style. He was the person who almost took this mainstream across the world. And again, just an absolute legend. And it's a weird world where we're not going to see Jushin, especially in, in wrestling when everyone wrestles until yes. they're 80. And this guy is like, he can still go. Like he was having good junior matches with uh, um, Ishi, uh, Ishimori. Uh, a year ago. I had ago, to see Azuka and... for 400 friggin' years. I can, <laughs> I could stand to watch Liger for a few more. Yeah, but he, I, I hope he sticks with it just because it seems like that's what he wants to do. And it seems like he will because that, that's just who he is. He doesn't seem like a person who is going to be like, yeah, I'll come back for these matches. And, and, you know, unless New Japan is the Saudi show, I think he's done. <laughs> So if if they maybe bring back the Rumble, do you think they could we could see an appearance there? I don't think so. I think I think this is how he wanted to go out, and I, maybe like I, I'm sure they would throw plenty. I don't think the guy needs money or anything though. And so I I, I think if this he, is he's how been wrestling he full time since like four. <laughs> I hope he doesn't need money. At uh, least any time mean... when he could physically wrestle. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> If he showed up and did some show tays, I'd be all right with that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'm not all right with. Finn Juice is the worst goddamn name I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But they win the IWGP Tag Team Championships on night one from the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, it's such a dumbass name. And Juice just cut his hair and decided he could do anything that he wanted. <laughs> Juice doesn't give a dang anymore. <laughs> that dude, yeah. He cut his hair, he looks like Razor Ramon hard gay cosplay, and he's just doing whatever he wants out there. He does. He looks like Razor Ramon hard gay joined the fashion police. <laughs> it's so weird. Either way, they won tag lead to get here, and they win. Finley's taken out, and Tama is beating his ass with his title belt still on, which I loved. <laughs> Finley sells his injured shoulder really well. Um, Finley is a real highlight. Uh, Juice has some nice spine busters, but this... This match to me was an indication that they need to combine the divisions. Yeah, uh, definitely. I'd like to see Finn Juice against some of the the junior guys like uh, Eagles and Ishimori or um, Phantasmo and Ishimori and, and Rapongi. I thought the the match was was fine. The finish looked a little bit weird because uh, it took the pulp friction a little bit early on that, and it was kind of off. I Girls of Destiny for me, like I like Tama. I like his gimmick, the work. I'm not a huge fan of. They their their entrance music slaps though. Like yes. just just play the entrance music throughout the whole match. Fun fact: so I'm I'm doing a bunch of features on YouTube views and stuff for individual promotions. Every video New Japan has one of their tags is Gorillas of Destiny theme song. It could be a video. <laughs> it could be a video about Yuka Suji. Uh, chilling at the dojo, eating ham or something, and it's a <laughs> Gorillas of Destiny theme song in the tags. It's wild, man. But they know, they know that people want to listen to that song. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Juice hit the rope ha ropes hard with his hamstring to the point where I was like, "Damn, did he get hurt?" But 
He just sold it really well. A couple of big double team finishes hit on Finley, including a magic killer, but Juice breaks it up and he gets one too. Uh, Giotto calls for the super power bomb, but Finley Frankensteiners through. Uh, Finley then gets cracked with a kendo stick and the crowd got hot for that sequence, but it got a little sloppy after that. Pulp Friction on Tongaloa. They finish off Tama, Tama and we have new tag champions. This was just okay for me. And now they start a feud with Evil and Sonata because that's the only other tag team they have exactly. in this division. That's, it's, it's a, it's a frustrating state of affairs. Meanwhile, if you had Rapongi 3K or Phantasmo and Ishimori, you'd have a lot more contrast of styles, which we're about to talk about because the junior heavyweight tag team titles, Rapongi 3K defeated Bullet Club Zell Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori to win the titles. Pretty solid match. I didn't think it was a great match by, by any, any regard, but Phantasmo is really good and the more time he gets, the better he gets. Like, he's one of those guys who's been wrestling for 12, 13 years, but is really starting to find his groove. He reminds me a lot of Art Bar in the positive reasons, not the negative ones. But uh, my favorite spot was the flying knee into the giant neck, giant swing neck breaker. Um, I, I always love a good double nut sack stomp. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, also, Phantasmo taking out Rocky Romero and Kevin Kelly being <laughs> livid about it. Jeremy, this this was pretty fun. I like I thought this match was great. I think I'm higher on it than you are, mainly because the the heel work of Phantasmo and Ishimori is really good. Like New Japan doesn't always have defined heels and faces. Bullet Club are obviously big time heels, um, but the heel work of Phantasmo and Ishimori is is so good. It's, the double Tree of Woe note stomp is one of my favorite spots. Um, just the facial reactions before they set it up and everything. And yeah, they did a double one here. Uh, the, the nut punch, and then he had the, cause Phantasmo, if you've been watching the, the Road 2 stuff, he punches everybody in, in the, you can go ahead if you can get over your coughing spaz yeah, there. Apologies. You, can, <laughs> you can yell out, where, where does he punch everybody, Sean? Right in the penis. <laughs> and Sho and Yo had cuffs, very small cuffs, yes. uh, according to Chino Campino. So, uh, which, which they put, Put in their mouths afterwards, <laughs> and Gino Gambino is livid uh, about Rocky Romero later on and says, "Why'd you find a cup that small?" And Rocky goes, "Your dresser, <laughs> perfect, perfect." Uh, the double stomp shock arrow wins the match for Rapongi. I love Rapongi, man. They're I awesome. love these guys, and it. We've said it four times on this show. Just combine the goddamn divisions. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it, man. Show yeah. best body in New Japan, by the way. Give give that man some love. That's a good looking guy. Ishimori's up there, man. Ishimori's <laughs> pretty pretty crazy. But um, this one, it didn't feel like this went fourteen minutes to me. No, it felt like it was like seven. They they worked so fast. But there were no matches on night two that went under like twelve minutes. And night one, you saw a lot more. A lot more accelerated matches. Even a lot of the six mans were going eight minutes, nine minutes. It felt like some of the matches on this show were seven and a half minutes, and they weren't. The pace was great. It worked really well. I thought that was a benefit for the uh, Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Zack Sabre retaining over Sonata. The only person I see in wrestling at that level that is as smooth as Zack Sabre Jr. 
is Daniel Bryan, and we've not seen that match in like 12 years. I I would love to see it again. God, like, and I'm not picking on the two fellas from the GCW show because I love GCW and what they do, and I like the ambition and all that stuff. But I could see the the complaints that some had about their chain wrestling seeming rehearsed. The chain wrestling in Saber Sonata didn't seem rehearsed. It it looked like they were trying to pin each other, but just couldn't. Jeremy, this this opening seg- spot was just amazing. The the opening spot, <laughs> poor Tiger Hanore. He had to. <laughs> he's on he's on a retirement tour, and they got him rolling around because they keep countering all of these pins, and he can't keep up with it. Uh, I understand why Zack Sabre is polarizing to some because not everyone likes this kind of style. I personally love it. I, I'm a big Zack Sabre fan, and Sonata's a guy who can keep up with him. And the, Everything Zack Sabre does, it looks like he's trying to hurt you. It looks like he's trying to win a wrestling match, and it's so smooth and crisp. Like it, it, Yeah, the GCW stuff, that... It didn't look great, especially certain aspects of it. This though, like it's it's just worlds different with what's that his transitions are so smooth. Like you kick out of one thing and he puts you into something else. You you get out of one thing, he manipulates your arm or leg with something. Yeah. I love this guy. I miss Taka. I wish Taka <laughs> I don't know what the deal is, but I, I need to know what time it is before these matches. And the thing, I mean, I, I want to hit the math and start chain wrestling every single time I see Saber. I'm like, he makes it look so easy, and it's not. Yeah. It's not as easy. It's not easy to be that that smooth. Uh, he does a, a an octopus hold that gets countered into skull end. I love how Sonata worked over the knee, and then they sold the dragon screw as such a big move. New Japan is so good about facial expressions and all that stuff, and and just really. Making you realize, okay, this could play uh, a big role in the finish of the match. The crowd pops with a series of pin reversals, Jeremy, that end the match. Now, if you want to build to a climax, I would have loved to have seen them roll out immediately into a finisher there. But if you're going for realism and unpredictability, that's the right call. I love it. The crowd was there for the finish because they were like, oh, reversal, oh, reversal, oh, reversal. And when you hear that, that, sort of reaction come over that Japanese crowd, you can tell it worked. Well, Sonata had been winning with the the bridge pinfall and a lot of the, the Road 2 multi-man match, and he pinned Sabre with it multiple times. Hook, line, and so, sinker. Yeah, and up. so when he when he used it in this match, the crowd was like, oh, like it's a great callback spot. And then, you know, Sabre uh, spends it with the, the bridge himself, and he gets the victory off of it. So just great callbacks. These two have amazing chemistry. They've had plenty of matches together, and it's good every single – I love Sonata – I wish they would do more with this guy, and I think they're setting up to do more with him with the LIJ storyline. We'll see, but the this match was, what, like 10 minutes, and it, it felt like even shorter than that just with everything they did. Yeah, they went about 12 and a half, and that's the thing. They, they had enough history for callbacks like that finish, but I want to see more. I want to see more of them. This is a lot different than a lot of wrestling that we watch, and I'm like, ah, okay, cool, we've seen that. I'm ready to move on. This this was very good. Also very good. Uh, John Moxley defeated Lance Archer, who I interviewed. It's up on Fightful.com. Very good stuff. Uh, for the United States Championship in a Texas death match, I hate that Shota had to wrestle like today. It would have been poetic to bring him back here. Uh, 
Lance Archer just beat the living shit out of Moxley. Chairs, sticks, anything. Uh, then Moxley brutalized him with a chair, a stick, and his knee. Archer caught Moxley mid-dive with a choke slam. Then just obliterates a young lion. Then choke slams him onto Moxley <laughs> and dives onto everyone. He's 42! When Hogan was this age, he was feuding with the Dungeon of Doom, Jeremy. That's an outstanding feud, though. I will not have any slander. Shut the hell up! What are you doing? <laughs> no, no slander on the, the Doomsday cage match. That's an all-time favorite match of They'll mine. They'll bring it back for The Fiend. <laughs> I hope so. They need to bring that back, period. That match rules. Ugh, this Lance Archer is having the biggest year of his career at 42, and he told me last week, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was prepared to leave if I needed to, but I wasn't actively thinking I was going to leave. He wasn't supposed to be in the G1. He got in it. He wasn't really supposed to have those matches with Osprey. He did, and that created buzz. He wasn't supposed to win the United States title. He did, and he sure as hell wasn't supposed to be here in this spot on this show, and he delivered. And he works tour to tour, Jeremy. They don't have him locked up under a contract. They they need to lock him up under a contract. He's so yeah, his resurgence this year. I, I think Davy Boy leaving was possibly the best thing that could have happened to him because it's otherwise the best thing he would for both of them. Yeah. Is otherwise they'd just be stuck in these tag team matches and in in a almost dead division and yeah, they, Archer, they would have been in an eight man night one and probably not booked for night two. Yeah. Yeah. Archer He's been so good for New Japan this year. I'm glad he got that U.S. title victory at the end of last year. And this, he beat the hell out of Moxley. And Moxley beat the hell out of him. And they played the stipulation well. This is a tough stipulation to pull off because this 10 count stuff can get, like, I'm not a huge fan of last man standing matches just because it can, all right, he's down, count, get up, do it all over again. And they did it really well here. They didn't overdo the 10 count stuff. Uh, The, the, this stuff means more in New Japan too, with the the tables because they don't do it all the time. You don't you don't see a lot of the the table spots and the chair shots um, and kendo sticks and trash cans. You you don't see that so much in New Japan. So when you do it in a match like this, it, it just comes off a lot better. And I remember Lance Archer as Lance Hoyt, who TNA wanted to be a big name. The thing yeah. is, he just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. I remember watching his explosion matches. I remember him teaming with Abyss against Stop. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Isles and D-Lo, I remember all that stuff. Like, they wanted him to be Kid a big Cash. Head. Kid Cash, he was Kid Cash's cousin, yeah. quote-unquote. And, uh, like, it, he just wasn't ready, and he stayed with the company for years and years and years and did some okay stuff there. But it, it's amazing to see, like, it, TNA has fallen into guys like Matt Morgan and Lance Hoyt, who had the capability of being really athletic next generation big men and they just they didn't do things right by them but 
I mean, God, you can look up and down this roster and see people that TNA didn't do right by. Um, I mean, <laughs> they didn't do right by one guy, and now they're all. <laughs> John Moxley had a had a dark match there for the love of God. No, they didn't do right by Okada, and now New Japan will never work with them again. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't caught up, I, and I spoke to Davy Boy Smith Jr. about this personally. Davy Boy Smith Jr. left New Japan. Because I, I can only assume that he's wor- he was working tour to tour as Lance Archer was, and he was like, "Hey, listen, if you're doing tour to tour, I got to pick up some more dates." And Impact wanted to bring him in. Well, he says one that Ghetto pretended not to speak English to him, <laughs> which is amazing. But then when he said, "Hey, I would like to work some Impact dates," they're like, "No, no, 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 no." Jeff Jarrett fucked over Okada, and he's like, "And, and let me tell you." Davy Boy Smith does not get like does not get excited. He's like, that was like six regimes ago. <laughs> yeah. That was eight years ago. Those people are gone. <sighs> Jeff Jarrett isn't there. Oh, by the way, New Japan worked with Jeff Jarrett. He promoted their their pay per view, and he was in Bullet Club. Now, Davy Boy later told me that may have something to do with it. They may have felt like Jeff Jarrett didn't do a favorable job in promoting that pay per view, and maybe that did it. But still. That doesn't have anything to do with Callus and Demore. I know that Impact did make overtures to try to rebuild that bridge, and New Japan was just kind of like, eh, no. But I gotta say, it was dumb, dumb of Anthem to cancel New Japan over this. That was stupid. New Japan, at the very least, could have helped bring eyes to an Impact show. What did you think when you heard that? I, I'm with you. I... You know people are watching New Japan on your channel. You're doing it every Saturday night. Run impact commercials during those shows. Like try to bring attention to your big show through New Japan. And you don't have to do the the live specials that you used to do. You don't have to do the the tape delay specials maybe, but keep the Saturday night spot and, and do the tape matches and just run a bunch of impact commercials during that and try to gain new viewers for impact. I I didn't get it, especially like, hey, work with us or else we're going to pull you. And New Japan called that bluff, apparently. And yeah. they were like, yeah, it's fine. Screw it. We're not going to work with you. You can pull it. We'll we'll figure it out. Like, I, I'm i sure New Japan will now work hard to, to get a U.S. TV deal, especially if they're going to be touring in the U.S. But I thought it was a bad call by Access because they're they're hurting impact by not having that outlet. You know, promote them during these Sammy Hagar concerts. I don't know what's on Access anymore, but... Well, it's not MMA. MMA isn't on there anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I was told to to watch for this when this deal came together. And New Japan doesn't like being pushed around or being given ultimatums. So I, I knew that if that was an ultimatum given, they weren't going to do it. And this is all just reported, by the way. But New Japan and WoW Women of Wrestling bring two categorically different audiences to possibly view Impact than they would have gotten to begin with. It It is so dumb, and I don't think it was the people that accessed that wanted to cancel it. I think it was Anthem as a result, or Impact as a result of them passing on that. In my opinion, what you do is you establish the brand, you you show New Japan, hey, we got some really good names. No, you're not interested in these women, but we've got some really good names over here. But the thing is, Impact Wrestling may have indirectly, or not indirectly, directly opened a door to dialogue between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh my god, we'll talk more about that later, but Archer hit the blackout onto a bunch of chairs, Moxley pulls an armbar out, 
so Moxley does like 17 different versions of his his DDT, the paradigm shift, the 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 uh death rider and all of them look awesome. But Archer hits the derailer, formerly known as the Pounce. By the way, check out Lance Archer talking about Monty Brown in our interview. And spot of spot of the 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 week, Lance Archer pulls out a shopping bag and suffocates Moxley with the EBD claw. I thought he was gonna do the the old Ric Flair Terry Funk spot where he put it over his head and just try to suffocate her to death that way. But I did like the the EBD claw with it. I thought that was that was awesome. Not something I expected at all. So kudos to to Archer or whoever came up with that spot. So Moxley hits the Death Rider off the apron through a couple of tables. Looks amazing. He wins. AW. 1-0 on the night so far, or on the weekend. This, I love this match. I loved it. The the finish looked so good, and Archer, like, both guys got cut up from it, and that could have gone horribly wrong, and maybe it did in some ways because of the, the way they looked afterwards. Moxley looked like he just went through hell. Like, he was busted up under the eye or on the eyebrow. Like, these guys beat the hell out of each other, and I... I thought the match was great. Like it was a really good match. And this is like John Moxley in his element when, you know, previous new Japan matches, he comes out in the shooter shorts and he's like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do some new Japan wrestling. And then this match he's like, he comes out in his jeans. He's like, no, we're going to do some John garbage wrestling. As he said in the Kenny Omega match. So I always loved Elijah Burke, the Pope on commentary on TNA wrestling one time pointed out why you would wear jeans in a match like this. He was like, gear is not cheap. They do not want to tear up their gear <laughs> so that you wear your jeans because you can replace jeans a lot, a lot cheaper. I thought that was just a simple kayfabe reason. And Moxley continued the good stuff through night two. He defeated Juice Robinson. So no double gold dash for Juice Robinson. What a shame. I was looking for him and him and Naito to do a Kurt Angle Samoa Joe match for all the titles but juice robinson looks a damn fool still night two he attacks moxley before the match which only served to get him his ass kicked real real hard moxley mocks the ref by bowing to him and uh, a couple good spots the the shifty looking powerbomb from juice robinson that i was like is he gonna paralyze moxley or is it gonna be all right then moxley answers with the figure four around the ring post Kills him with a German suplex, but Juice Robinson, it's like him and Ibushi were having a contest this weekend to see who had the best looking work punches or best, best looking punches that are supposed to be work punches. Uh, they're amazing. Moxley sells them great. Uh, you go paradigm shift into Death Rider and Moxley wins, but to me, this, this was right. It had the right amount of spots mixed in with the right amount of selling. This was I think it was as good as a, a Juice Moxley match would get. I I didn't like this as much as their their first match, and I think that had more. You know, they were fighting off of the um, staging and everything, fighting into the crowd in that match. So I didn't like it quite as much as as their first match, but it was still really good because it, it was it was shorter and they they worked kind of more of a, a sprint hard hitting style as opposed to the other match, which was a little bit more drawn out brawl. Um, yeah, Moxley. Moxley was my favorite guy in New Japan in 2019. He looks so thrilled to be there. 
every single time. And it's something different because you don't see a lot of his style wrestling on New Japan. It's, you know, the more crisp in-ring work and Moxley just comes in. He's like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to beat the hell out of you, use some weapons, use some tables, some chairs. And he just... The, the finish with the, the, I guess it's the paradigm shift into the Death Rider, the the way he holds, that's like a New Japan staple, wrist control, and he kind of did it here. He just did arm control, rolled through it, rolled through it. The finish was really good. And yeah, Moxley, Moxley's awesome in New Japan. I understand why he can't like stay in New Japan yeah. um, full time, but if he could, that would be fantastic because he's so good in this company. It, you can tell he had something, he felt like he had something to prove. Yeah. With this run. Because I, like a lot of people, when, when he came back and started to do some of the stuff that he did, and I was like, will he even do it? Because, you know, it, he, he'd been kind of whitewashed and homogenized in WWE. So this was cool. Suzuki comes out, takes Moxley out. Oh my god. Whoo boy. <laughs> this was my favorite moment of the entire weekend. This Suzuki. Is good. Just coming down, you know, people were pissed night one because they came out to uh, Zack Sabre's team and were like, we're not going to hear Kazuniara <laughs> in the Tokyo Dome. And then his music hits night two. He comes down, he takes off his tracksuit, and he is just ready. And people were like, oh, we're going to get this match right now. Yeah. And I, I was hoping that we're going to – I hope we get it at Dash because I, I, I – I thought great, we were. And I love that I, Kevin Kelly was like, that's yeah. not how we do stuff here. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this this moment rule. I you Moxley mentioned Suzuki as like a guy he really wanted to work with mm-hmm. when he uh did the New Japan stuff last year. So you figured at some point it was going to happen, and I'm I'm happy for both men that they're getting this match because they're gonna beat the hell out of each other. Yeah. And oh, I love Suzuki. He's like 50 and he just <laughs> still just doesn't care, and he's still just completely awesome. And every time he comes out, just gets a huge reaction and can just murder people. Tom Brady won't be around at 50. <laughs> Tom Brady won't be around at 43. Hey, there you go. Never open weight championship on night two. Hiroki Goto defeated Kenta to become champion. Goto attacks Kenta right out of the gate, and Goto gets thrown out of the ring and almost uh, loses via countout. Kenta is just so much more natural here. And, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of people say, WWE dropped the ball on Kenta, Hideo Itami. I don't think so. He showed up not in great shape. He hurt people. He wasn't over. It just wasn't a good fit. They he got hurt. Yeah. They, they they were not a good fit for one another. And there's nothing wrong with that. Juice Robinson was not a good fit for NXT. I don't think that with his style, he would have gotten over to the level that he is now had he stayed there. Could he have? Sure, anything's possible. But some fits are just better, and Kenta is a better fit for New Japan, Jeremy. It's... It was the right move, and with all the people that they lost, them getting him was the right move. It, it was stunning when he showed up in New Japan because when he got released, people thought, oh, I just go back to pro wrestling yeah. Noah, and yeah, he showed up in New Japan. He looks completely revigorated in, in New Japan, and I do, I do like – I like. They did well in this match, especially coming off the Suzuki angle. Like early, this match was a little like crowd was kind of dead for it, but they they worked hard and really turned him around. I, I like that Kenta matches after he got concussed by Ishi- Ishii are now like, hey, he's got a glass jaw. Watch Kenta get punched and see if he gets knocked out and concussed in this match. <laughs> like 
that's now the story of all these Kenta matches. Uh, I'm not big on Goto. You're, Goto's your boy. I was stunned to learn you're a Goto fan. I, I dig Goto. And <laughs> to me, I, I think it's more like if I had to adopt somebody's move set on WWE 2K, I would be like, hey, give me Hiroka Goto. I love that Shouten Kai. I love a good Ushi Garoshi. I love just punching a guy and he falls down for two minutes. And Gino Gambino screams about it. I, I like that. Uh, there were, <laughs> there was a big clothesline that Kenta no sold, and then he threw some good chops, and then he does not no sell the second one, because he got stiff. But then the GTW and the GTR win. I like Goto the idea. wins the, Goto wins the Goto Memorial title. Yes, and he's good luck Goto. He is, he's a, he's a regular Dane Cook. Because whenever he beats somebody, they always go on to do greater things. Uh, Bullet Club at this point had lost all six of their matches. I hope and believe that will play into New Year Dash and, and the future. I dug this. Good, solid stuff. Yeah, they they worked hard, especially by the end, to, to really turn the crowd around because it was looking rough early, and you know they 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 laid it in. And Kenta, he's been really good. And the the England match aside, where he was completely knocked out, and they somehow continued that match. Um, but now that's that's canon, and now that that's what they talk about. Will this guy get knocked out again? Chris Jericho defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. If Tanahashi won, he got an AEW World Championship shot. And I had all these people saying, oh, well, they're telegraphing it. Tanahashi's going to win. Oh, no, he doesn't. And he taps out to Jericho at the Tokyo Dome. Jericho, after this match, very outspoken, saying everybody needs to get over the hurt feelings and work together. I spoke to several members of the AEW roster over the past week who just... They, they were like, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, even even with this, even with the Moxley thing, I had people in New Japan, multiple people saying, I don't think it'll ever happen, much less anytime soon. A lot of, and everybody said that it was because Bucks and Omega weren't treated the best on the way out. I think that if things came together well, and apologies were made, and they should be made, that it would be an absolute game changer. And Davey Boy, in my conversation with him, said, New Japan just doesn't forget about stuff, and they always feel like somebody has wronged them. they got to get over that, because Jeremy, in my opinion, New Japan and AEW would be monumental. It would be, yeah, it'd be huge, because you look at the talent level, at both companies. And if you could bring in, you know, if you could bring back Omega, you could bring back the Bucks uh, for New Japan. Even, like, Cody, um, it, like guys who aren't doing much in AEW, I guess Janela's doing more. Um, like he'd probably get over in New Japan. Janela gets over everywhere he goes. Scott uh, Norton told me and you that the one person that he wishes he could take to Japan was Joey Janela. Yeah. Scott Norton. Uh, they, like, they've got so much talent, and because they're only running, you know, once a week, you could send those guys over to New Japan, do some tours, get some ring time, and then for AEW, you could bring in guys for, for one-offs on big shows, like a Tanahashi, uh, I, you know, Okada worked all in, so you know Okada is open to working with these guys. They, they could do so, so much together, way more beneficial, beneficial than, 
the ROH relationship was doesn't seem like it exists at this point. Yeah, I mean, from what Dave Meltzer says, New Japan's like, nah, we're not sending anybody over type and of thing. The- and it had Dragon Lee, and he had the ROH title, and I yeah. I feel like it was mentioned once, but it certainly wasn't mentioned to the level of like Jericho with the AEW title. Like the ring announcer was like AEW champion Chris Jericho. The the announcers were putting it over and putting over this whole storyline and everything. You can tell if you watch the wrestlers order ordering room service video with Omega and the Bucks, you can tell they're hurt by the whole yeah. thing like they they're really hurt by like omega said like he took he took it personal with how it was handled and and the bucks were they were very hurt because they were supposed to be on dash last year and they got pulled i guess at the last minute because I, I think they were expecting like some grand send-off whether you know jay white laid them out or whatever it was but they didn't get that and i from what they're saying is you know, they feel like the, the fans were, were who got hurt the most because they didn't get the, the big send off for them. They didn't get the, the fans didn't get to see them appreciated one last time or appreciate them one last time. And they were hurt by the whole thing. And I can totally believe New Japan holds on to stuff and grudges because look what they're doing with the impact. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just so weird. And I know that there's the whole CMLL, AAA thing. I don't give a damn that AEW, to New Japan and vice versa is more valuable than any partnership with AAA or CMLL or Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor can't put asses in the seats. They can't do it. And if you do the AEW New Japan thing, anything can be worked out. You got AEW people getting paid six figures to work four days a month. There are New Japan USA shows that could really use them. There are just New Japan shows that could use them. Having Okada on All Out that's a, that's big. That would be big. Having New Japan wrestlers get U.S. cable TV exposure on TNT, that's big. Being able to say, hey, you can see more of this guy to that audience, to that AEW audience. Ooh, boy, that would be a game changer. And I do have somebody says it would devalue the, the AEW titles. Maybe if they didn't consolidate some of the New Japan titles, sure. That there's a possibility there, but I really don't think so. I think AEW does a pretty good job protecting their titles. Uh, and I, I hope it works. But Jericho defeated Tanahashi. I wasn't in love with this match. I thought this was, I thought it was a very WWE match. I, I didn't mind it because I, I love Tanahashi and yeah, it was a little WWE ish. Chris Jericho, I mean, he is what he is at this yeah. point. Uh, he's thick Jericho with the, the, the shape he's in, but he has enough personality and charisma to where he can carry stuff like this. Uh, even though his athleticism is, uh, kind of long past him at this point. Like, I like the mocking Tanahashi with the stuff. Uh, his air guitar sucks for a guy who's a a rock star. He can't even play an air guitar. By the way, Tanahashi mocking Jericho in the pre-match video was amazing. That was awesome. But I, I want to know what he was singing. I hope it was Judas. Oh, God, I hope so. But the the slap trades are what kind of put a bad taste in my mouth early on. You could tell Jericho was feeding for Tanahashi, and Tanahashi wasn't picking it up because Jericho wasn't throwing back. He was like, all right, buddy, fire up here. But Jericho does a nasty DDT on the announcer's table. My audio went out for like five minutes. But it was kind of cool because he – Jericho was doing the air guitar, and you really get to focus on his 
work there. There's a big high fly flow. Uh, Tanahashi had played possum after the frog splash, and I love it because you could see in his facial reaction and the great camera work, he was playing possum. He gave like a wink and a, wink and a smile to the crowd, which I thought was good. Jericho goes to work on Tanahashi's leg and applies the walls of Jericho, but Tanahashi's in the ropes. He counters a dive with a big code breaker. Tanahashi hits a real bad looking one of his own. Uh, a sling blade doesn't win it for Taka or Tanahashi, and Jericho rolls through the high fly flow and wins it with walls of Jericho. It was all right. Uh, you know what? It was a good show. It was a good match to have on Wrestle Kingdom 14. I'll put it like that. But how do you feel? Yeah, I like the story. When you have two guys like this, they can work to the audience. It doesn't have to be a high-paced, high-action affair. I wish they would have cut a little bit of time off of it. The the ref bump, especially kind of unneeded, especially after the uh, the Jay White Kota Ibushi match where you had the usual Bullet Club shenanigans and that. So I didn't like the the ref bump. I wish they would have edited this down just a tad. But otherwise, like I love Tanahashi. I he can get away with just doing just about anything because the crowd buys into every single thing yeah. he does. Like the guy is just so over and, and his mannerisms and his facials are so over. Like you said, the, the playing possum stuff and Jericho's kind of the same way. Like he's treated as a big star over there. So I like this match for, for what it was. So no Tanahashi night one bold, bold. Yeah. Yeah, and th- this was, I think, another thing with the disappointing on night two, the the fact that it was 10,000 less than night one. Like, this was the only Tanahashi match of the weekend as well. I, I, I thought it would draw a little bit Ibushi's better. Ibushi's a bigger draw. <laughs> well, it's time. Home stretch, double gold dash qualifier. I love this concept. I love the concept because the Intercontinental Championship has always been treated well by New Japan. At one point, it headlined Wrestle Kingdom over the heavyweight championship. Uh, but Tetsuya Naito defeated Jay White to become the Intercontinental Champion. I thought early on it was the victim of match placement because I think it was right after Osprey and Takahashi. Mm-hmm. The pace is good, but it was following a match of the year candidate, and it overcame that placement <laughs> pretty quickly. Jay White is in insane shape. Insane shape. Uh, Kevin Kelly mentioned Naito possibly retiring if he loses. I was like, come on. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. There was a filthy suplex on the apron, and then Naito's leg gets worked over heavily. And even though we've seen this spot multiple times this weekend, it didn't really lose out because New Japan is so much better at doing that. It's like, well, okay. Why wouldn't two people in two different matches work over the same body part? It's it's not always going to be a different body part, brother, brother. Uh, sometimes it just happens that way, but they're all categorically different matches. And Naito falls down trying to run to the ropes. He couldn't run up the ropes on a Tornado DDT. You saw this affect him throughout the weekend, Jeremy. What did you think of the story as it related to this match? If they set up Naito as an underdog, and you know, if you if you read listen to the interviews with him, he talks about the the doubt that he had in in 2019. He lost a lot of big matches. I mean, dating back to two years ago when he lost to Okada, and you know, this was not the confident Naito. And then you tell the story of him not being 100% with the knee. So like that's what they were going for here. Jay White is excellent as a heel. Just. Everything he does is really good, and he's a guy who generates that like legitimate crowd heat that that people hate him. Um, 
I, I really like the story of this match. I do wish they would have cut it down a little bit, but they, like you said, they, they had a tough act to follow and I think they, they slowed it down early to kind of get that come down on the crowd because then they were going to pick it up a little bit later. If you go straight into, you know, if you did cut this down a little bit and you work a faster pace, I don't know if it would have connected as well after watching Hiromu and uh, Osprey. Yeah, all, all four people involved in the the uh, double gold dash, I think, worked at least 57 minutes over the two nights, which is unbelievable. I think Okada ended up working like 70, which is just insane it's unbelievable but uh white hits a kiwi crusher and a spinning suplex then applies a leg lock ghetto gets in the ring to to take out naito but it doesn't help naito gets thrown into red shoes and i'm like what's the matter he's not gonna get dq'd anyway red shoes is gonna take forever to count the three anyway so what the hell does it matter but naito gets punched in the penis then naito punches ghetto in the penis but then white cracks naito with a chair and crowd was cooking. Jay White spit on Naito when doing a, a sleeper suplex. Oh, it added a lot. It added a lot, Jeremy. Then went for a switchblade or the uh, Blade Runner. But Naito countered it into the Destino. You see a Poison Rana in a Destino. A big brain buster in a Destino, finally. And th- this may come as a shock to you. The running Destino is not treated as a finisher by... <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, plenty of people reminded me of that as if I, as if I don't cover this shit. But, uh, I could, considering that we were about to see three other matches like this, I was like, ah, maybe would have just had one do it, but they did want to keep Jay White really strong, I would imagine. But Naito wins. I think Naito winning was the right call. Um, I didn't think they were headlining night two with Jay White. No offense to Jay White, but yeah. the, this was, as we found out in the end, like this was a Naito weekend. I have been harping on the Destino stuff for a very long time myself. The, yeah. Everyone kicks out of the first one. I don't care if it's a running one and they don't treat it as a finisher. Like it's still technically his finisher. And Kevin Kelly calls it as, with the multiple orgasm O's and makes it seem like it, it's going to be the finish and is shocked when he, when was the last time Naito won with like one Destino in these big matches? It never happens. I always hated it when they would do that with Nakamura and the Beaumaier too because he would do like seven different versions of it and it would never pin you the first time. Yeah. And I'm like, people would be like, oh, well this one, he, he's a little bit higher than that one. I'm like, my God, it's a knee to the friggin' skull, man. It's the same move. They just do eight of them. And, okay, New Japan wants to be a little bit different. That's fine. But Naito picks up the win. Fully on board with Naito winning. And they, you know, because of the the leg stuff, he was limping out and they could sell again the, the underdog story. of Like, I wasn't a huge fan of doing that kind of story. I thought it should have been more of Naito being like very confident Naito, but I get what they were going for because the the whole story for, for years has been the, the self doubt stuff. Um, I, I just, I like Maya Naito as the confident, like, I don't care kind of Naito, not the, Oh, my legs hurting, you know, can, can I rebound all of this? But this is a story new Japan likes to tell. They like to tell the redemption story. Gotta say after this weekend, Kota Ibushi, my favorite worker in the world, favorite worker in the world, uh, he loses to Okada night one, IWGP heavyweight championship. 
before we get into the complimenting of Ibushi, we have to criticize New Japan's production for missing the reveal of Okada's trunks. Ah, oh, I, I thought we were going to compliment Okada's trunks and his thighs. New Japan better release a video that says alternate footage <laughs> of Okada's ball sack reveal from Wrestle Kingdom like <laughs> WWE had to do with AJ Styles' debut because Kevin Dunn missed it. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. That, that, that would be the most viewed uh the most viewed video on New Japan's YouTube channel. Take, well, except that. for except for Moxley and Umino, it wouldn't take a lot. Yeah. A, yeah, you all can check that out on our resources section. I compiled a list of the top viewed videos of New Japan's 2019 year. And uh that would that would have done it. And the pace of this didn't start off like most Ibushi matches, but as is the case with Okada, it'll get there. Ibushi looked every bit the Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom main eventer that he is. He looked awesome. His counter to the Power Slam and Moonsault was great. Uh, him landing flat on his head. Oh my God. Was not <laughs> though, but here's the thing. We know his neck's not made out of rubber because he's broken it before. But he does the Dude Buster, the Golden Triangle, and gets countered with a big drop kick. And uh, it led to my my favorite part of the match. The shotgun drop kick lands for Okada, but then Ibushi just continuously drops Okada. Okada made Kota Ibushi look like a billion dollars here. Jesus, this was this was one of my favorite parts of the entire weekend. Ibushi going into serial killer mode and just like stiffing the hell out of Okada with those punches and the referee tries to back him away and he's just like kicking the man while he's down with these stiff kicks. Oh, so, so good. Uh, Ibushi, serial killer Ibushi, I'm with you. My absolute favorite wrestler right now. He, he was awesome in this match. I'm glad he didn't kill himself when he fell directly on his head because that looked like it sucked i i feel like abushi's neck is like the hostess factory like the world could blow up and twinkies would survive like abushi's neck would still survive if wwe brought up a matt riddle a keith lee somebody like that to the main roster and put them against lesnar and they did this spot and lesnar sold like this and they landed a strike like that i think it would immediately make them on the main roster i think it would it would do that this is such this spot is so good, and Ibushi did it again. And Ibushi beat the shit out of Okada here. It was amazing. Ibushi hit his own rainmaker. Uh, there's a tombstone in the apron and a reverse neckbreaker by by Okada. And then <coughs> Okada hit a doozy, doozy of a rainmaker, and drops him on his head about seventy two times. Second Rainmaker wraps it up. Ah, oh, man. This was good shit. It was amazing. Ibushi hit the V-trigger as well, which will obviously get people talking. Missed the Phoenix Splash. Um, you know, that's a Kenny Omega missed the Phoenix Splash against Moxley at full gear. Let's talk about it. Uh, the the finishing stretch was so like it was my favorite finishing stretch over the weekend and there was a lot of good finishing stretches in this weekend but this with the the multiple rainmakers the v triggers the kamagoyas like it, the 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 counter kamagoyas I should say 
it was so so good like the the closing stretch that they did in this match i really can't believe the the way they pulled it off so effortlessly so flawlessly and okada i thought abushi should have won honestly like i picked him to win both nights because he felt like the hottest star coming into this weekend but it looks like they're gonna you know he lost both nights they're gonna do the the abushi redemption angle now and i'm okay with that because uh, okada okada's amazing and oh the the closing stretch sean it was it was perfect do you think abushi ever gets to the spot where he wins in the main event of a tokyo dome it might be next year, honestly. Like th- this is what they they like to do a lot of times is they they like to have the guy lose and then you come back a year or two and he gets his gets his big redemption. And especially the way they portrayed Ibushi in the last two nights, um, with kind of like the emotionless kind of serial killer mode stuff. Like this guy could go on just an absolute tear of people uh you know maybe he loses in the the first round of the new japan cup or loses in the finals of the new japan cup um and then he'll be in the g1 he could just he could just start murdering people because he he keeps losing these matches he needs to be in i guess serial killer mode all the time because we see glimpses of it in these first two nights but if he goes into that like all the time like that's the story you can tell Hey, I mean, you, you got me onto you on Netflix, and if they do this AEW <laughs> partnership, he could literally go into serial killer mode and kill everybody that Kenny Omega loves. Like, <laughs> I I want to see him hit a Phoenix Splash on Riho at this point. Don't get close <laughs> to Kenny. Don't do it. Put, a, put on his hat, and then you're, you're indiscreet just by wearing a hat. No one knows who yes, you are. He's going to hack the Young Bucks Facebook <laughs> and work at a bookstore until he <laughs> – ruins Cody's life. That's what's going to happen. I'm for this. Hey, I, any type of you tie into pro wrestling, I, I think is perfect. Oh, so the <laughs> apologies. Runner-up match, Switchblade Jay White defeated Kota Ibushi, but it was not without help. And I feel like I've said this a hundred times. Insane spot. Ibushi goes chest first into the rail, which <laughs> immediately gets you invested in the match. A match that doesn't really mean a lot except for, hey, they're getting back into title contention type of thing. I thought Gino put it put it the right way. To be a double gold dash winner, there has to be a double loser. And uh, you, you could, first off, as soon as Ibushi hit the top rope for his moonsault and stood there, you could tell he was just going to smash Jay White's head with his hip. <laughs> and he did. But we, we get the repeated punches. From Ibushi again, and Jay White does the same. He sells it just as well, if not better than Okada. And Jay White, he I think he can sell it better because he's not that kind of striker, but he knows he kind of like he has to play that game with Ibushi a little bit. But you know, Okada can fire back on his own. Jay White is more of a, a chicken shit heel, so he can he can get away with selling it a little bit harder and. It, Ibushi, when he fires up like that, again, like like I said with night one, he is amazing when he goes into that mode. So White snaps him back with a suplex, does a big Saito superplex, more terrible counts from the ref. Yeah. Ibushi gets sent into the ref finally. I'm like, good God, thank you. Just take him out. That was so telegraphed. I didn't like that. That was yeah. very telegraphed. Bad spot, and the ref did that hilarious tumble out of the ring. <laughs> it was so bad. 
But Ghetto attacks him with a chair, and I love Ibushi no-selling this. And he at, should have no-sold it. That chair shot sucks. As is tradition. <laughs> yeah. Him. But I, at first I was like, what? That punch sucked. Then I realized Ibushi did a heart punch to him. <laughs> and the sell of that was amazing because Ghetto falls back, and the thing where that you see oh. in MMA in the ring all the time where their head clips the bottom rope. Oh, it looks so gnarly, dude. Oh, it looks so gnarly. Uh, Ibushi hits the last ride on White, but there's no ref. You, you mentioned not being keen on the ref spot there. Yeah, it just the, it was telegraphed with the the way you could tell, like the ref, because it, it was off of a, a Blade Runner, and the ref like moved in position to just take this bump. Like you could see that the bump was coming, and it it, it just didn't look natural to me. The the Jay White ref bump stuff. People either seem to like they get it, they understand it, or they just absolutely hate it, and it has no place in New Japan for them. I think they do it a little too often within Jay White matches. They don't do it up and down the card, which is good for the most part, but it does happen seemingly every single big Jay White match. I do wish they could cut that out a little bit, but I don't have an issue with it just because like that's sort of Jay White's style. Like he he needs the help. He is that heel where he has Gato come in and, and try to help him out here. And I don't I don't have too much of an issue with it. I think it adds to the story. Should they cut it out in bigger matches? Yeah, we don't need to see it every single big Jay White match. The thing that bothers me when people don't watch New Japan and they say there's no selling in New Japan, They're, they don't tell stories. I didn't hear I didn't hear one word of English where do something or you will never look like me or Mandy will never date you. <laughs> they spit in New Japan. They just spit yeah, at each spit. other when they're pissed. <laughs> and then Ibushi's goddamn sell of that chair shot and the brass knuckles was amazing. Blade Runner wins. White hits another one. He gloats the entire way out. This was such strong heel work from Jay White. He he turned from a guy that I didn't really care to see into a guy that I'm like, yeah, he would fit there. He would fit in ROH if he went there. He'd fit in WWE if he went there. He'd fit perfect in New Japan for the foreseeable future. He's such an unlikable heel, and I thought this was really strong work. Yeah, that's the thing. Jay White is so defined in everything he does with his heel work because New Japan just doesn't have a lot of those guys. Like, I, I saw people who are watching New Japan for the first time. They're like, is Okada a heel? Is Naito a heel? There's a, there's a lot of tweener stuff with them. It depends on, sometimes it just depends on like the crowd and where they're working. Like, Jay White, there's, there's no tweener stuff. You know, this guy is a complete asshole and the crowd wants to see him murdered every single time he's out there. I loved it. Um, more good stuff. The double gold dash matches all delivered, as did the main event. Tetsuya Naito, Intercontinental Champion, defeated Kazuchika Okada to become the double champion, winning the heavyweight championship. First off, I love a good cravat, especially a good main <laughs> event cravat. You know what? Just, just fucking right there. Right Who there. Who is the master of the cravat, Sean? I am. I am the master of the cravat, and over the next year, I will cravat anything and every every one that I come in contact with. So help me God, people. If I see you at Chicago and you say, hey, Sean, it's good to meet you. Hey, you want to grab a picture? I'm putting you in a cravat, and then we're taking the picture, people. You're going to have to bend down very far because yeah. you're so tall. Yeah. 
I mean, everybody saw the picture of me and you. By the way, I do have the shoot picture of us, which I forgot to post, which is kind of funny. But uh, love a good cravat. <laughs> Unfortunately, Okada hits a neck breaker and ruins all that. Shotgun drop kick, inside out drop kick. He goes after Naito's knee. That knee first into the table. Naughty. Naughty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he kicked out, uh, or Okada died, I thought, after that poison Rana from the top. But when, oh my God. When you look at it slow, he, he landed right on his shoulders, not his head. But it was enough to make me think that he died, but he kicked out, so in fact, he is alive. A drop kick from Okada gets no sold, and Naito hits a running Destino. In fact, a, not a finisher. <laughs> then, then you go into into all these spots. Destino misses. Rainmaker misses. Drop kick hits. Drop kicks weren't as crisp as most matches. Got to say that 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 was a bummer. But the crowd was all there for the knee injury story. Rainmaker hits. Naito kicks out. But I think you could see it coming from a mile away, Jeremy. Am I alone in that? Naito winning? No, Naito kicking out of that first Rainmaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a New Japan main event. Nobody's winning after one finish. People were actually, people said they were fooled on the the running Destino, the first one. People were like, I bought into that. I mean, it was a, Okada for all the- Not based on my mentions. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay my, my timeline must be different um okada for all the complaints about the referee uh kind of like slowing up his count to get these 2.9s and stuff okada still is so perfect at his 2.9 kickouts like he yeah. he makes the the most out of it to where it doesn't look like the referee is slowing up it looks way more natural than everybody else so uh okada milks it and he's like, all right, I'm putting him away. I'm putting him away. Hits another Rainmaker. Unfortunately, I thought Rocky Romero also telegraphed it. I hate that stuff before the pin where people go, this is gonna end it. He did so good, but he didn't win it. I hate that. And Rocky's too good for that. But a Destino counter on the Rainmaker attempt happens. But Naito's knee is hurt. He finishes it off with another Naito wins double gold. I thought this was good. Uh, I, I liked Ibushi Okada a lot more, but this was very good stuff. It's like, it's, it's comparatively speaking. Had this been standalone, I'd have been like, damn, that was a hell of a main event. I liked Ibushi Okada more as well, but that's taking nothing away from Naito and Okada. Naito busted out the, the Stardust Press, which was awesome. Yes. And, you know, two years ago, he the story was he got overconfident. He went for that. He missed. He lost. This year, it was different. Like he he felt it was it was the redemption arc, but he, he felt he had to go for it again. He did it. He hit it, and then he finished off Okada with the Destino again. Just another outstanding closing stretch. A lot of callbacks. A lot of history played into this. The crowd was one hundred percent Naito. Any worry that. Naito had been cooled off over the last two years, and he had. I mean, let's be honest. He he was not as hot coming into this as I think they, they may have liked him to been. Uh, but by the end of this match, the crowd was 100% behind him. They had no issue with the win. I didn't have an issue with the win. I thought, I thought it was the right call by the end of this match. What's weird is, you know what the only thing I could think of was during the closing stretch? Okada is a good-looking guy in those shorts. <laughs> this man looks so... He is, he is chiseled. 
uh, take nothing away from anybody those else. Those pants were an abomination yeah. for a year. He debuted those things, and I was like, ugh! <laughs> Looks like something you would wear for a one-off for, like, Fantastic Mania or something. Like, don't, don't do that. I mean, maybe he'll bring him back now with the red hair and the balloons now that he's uh, lost this match. But, man, this guy looks really good in shorts. So as we look like we're wrapping up, Naito is celebrating with both the titles, and Kenta appears to attack him. Now, Kenta lost both matches this weekend. He lost the top contender match to get into this weekend's title, double double gold dash. I'm pretty sure he lost, like, his last five matches of the G1. So from the outside looking in, I'm like, damn, he just lost a title. He's lost a bunch. Now, if that is the story, is that he's not worthy of a title, but he just doesn't give a shit, I'm all for it. Otherwise, I'm not so into it. But the heat was there. Uh, the nasty go-to-sleep landed. Like I said, I would love to see it played up that this guy has had his chances. He had his chance in the G1. He had his chance in the top contender match. He couldn't win his title match at Wrestle Kingdom, and he's trying to jump the line, and that could cause some friction with Jay White. What do you think about this? I think there's a lot of stories to be told with this. I'm with you. Like Kenta lost a bunch of matches, so theoretically he shouldn't be getting a title shot, but you know, he's creating his own title shot. He, yes. It's not like he came out there and was just like, I challenge you, and Naito's like, okay, cool. Like Then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This guy came out there and ruined what should have been like the biggest moment of the year for Naito and all the LIJ fans. The heat was, yeah, as you said, absolutely tremendous. Uh, Kenta's had a, two big heat moments. Uh, the Shibata stuff garnered a lot of heat, and unfortunately they didn't or couldn't follow up on that. At least hopefully Naito is cleared and they can follow up on this. But the the threads with the, the Bullet Club, you know, Jay White being mad – uh, the thread of, you know, it, it felt kind of WWE of Naito gets attacked. Where are his friends? Like, Bushi just slowly saunters out there yeah. to help him. Like, where where was the rest of LIJ? The, the Sonata stuff, I mentioned, like, I thought Sonata should have been the guy that, like, ran out there um, and, and maybe attacked. Or, or somebody else uh, mentioned that, but I, I agreed with it. Like, you could you can do that with Sonata, though, because he doesn't have the title in LIJ, and he needs something to, to really get him going. There's a lot of stories you can tell with this attack. So, New Year Dash, I can't wait for it. Uh, I'll probably have to watch it on a delay. Uh, you'll be up, won't you? I'll be up, and I'll be spoiling everything for you. Awesome. So, <laughs> FightfulSelect.com, you'll want to subscribe to that, guys. Uh Monday, I've got the backstage report. I'm going to do a bit of a New Japan uh, New Year Dash recap over there as well. Uh, the list goes on, returns this Wednesday, but we got plenty of stuff. Our retro review of cable TV Royal Rumbles is up and ready to rock. That's the most direct way to support us, FightfulSelect.com. Uh, go over there, subscribe, uh, contribute towards Jeremy Lambert's, uh, you know, his health care, his 401k, <laughs> Uh, his pension, all these things that we provide for Jeremy Lambert uh, <laughs> that I am definitely not lying about right now. But uh, Jeremy, you, if people want to hear your takes, they can follow you on Twitter. You got a Patreon. Plug it. 
Yeah, Twitter at Jeremy Lambert eighty eight, Patreon.com slash Jeremy Lambert eighty eight. Just basically that's my handle everywhere. I'm not on Instagram or any of that nonsense though. Um yeah, you can follow all my takes and I'm writing literally every day for Fightful. AEW power rankings, real sports yes. power rankings every Thursdays, interviews, bunch of fun stuff, annoying Sean. We got you off fight size duty. Yeah. That's the sign <laughs> of a promotion. That's a sign of a promotion is that we're like, how, how can we better utilize Jeremy? How, how can we do it? Okay. We're going to have him write more headlines uh, that are going to infuriate people. And I love it. I love it. Um, guys, fightful.com head over there. If you just like wrestling, fightfulwrestling.com. Uh, again, we are still working on getting our YouTube channel back, but subscribe to fightful select. Thank you all so much until next time. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.